Welcome to the Media Timeout Podcast. Let's be great. Let's be great. You're home for the sports content you want with the authenticity you need. Let's have some fun out here. You know, enjoy the journey of all this. We're trying to get 16 wins and going after a gold trophy. Where nothing is out of bounds. Now welcome your hosts, Jamal Tanner and Nick Holman. Hello and welcome to the 80th edition of the MTO Podcast. It's crazy. We're getting up to wide receiver numbers. This is our... Jerry Rice episode. Uh, we're going to talk to you about some baseball, get into some basketball, and get into some other things, have a little fun with this episode. Uh, but let's start with the guy who you said was not going to get traded, but did get traded, and that's Juan Soto. Uh, Juan Soto got moved to the Padres for 75 prospects. Um, Eric Hosmer tried to torpedo the deal, but they found a way around it. Um, tell me about Juan Soto and also kind of on another note that I think is underrated, Josh Bell also going in that trade. Uh, what does this do for the Padres, and how do you feel about their chances to to win the World Series now? Yeah, I, you know, I definitely didn't think he it was going to get moved. I thought that he was probably going to stay in the same place just because there was a lot of moving parts. But the Padres decided to say, "Hey, you just want every prospect in our farm system, and let's go at it." and I mean, I like it. The Padres, you know, they haven't been able to get over that Dodgers hump. They haven't even really been able to be in the playoffs. And, you know, they're going for it this year. And like you said, the to me, the underrated part of the aspect was getting Josh Bell because they didn't even want Hosmer anymore. They kind of just wanted him to be gone, as you can see, from trying to trade him away and then him trying to uh, torpedo the deal. So it, it's definitely big for them. It helps them a lot in their um, their lineup, like we said. They will eventually get Tatis. I think he has started or will be starting here really soon, his rehab assignment. So, yeah, they're going to be a really good deep lineup. But like I said before, I still don't think they're better than the Dodgers. I just, to me, their lineup wasn't the problem. Now, yeah, it wasn't. It's gotten way better since, you know, they've added Soto and Bell. But that doesn't help the pitching staff that I don't believe in. You know, I just... When it comes down to it, I don't believe in Darvish, really. I don't believe in Snell, honestly. I don't even know how much I believe in Musgrove, even with them giving him, him a contract extension. So, you know, we just seen over the last weekend when they went and played the Dodgers, uh, they pretty much got smoked. And then, you know, you could say, okay, they didn't have to tease. I still don't think that makes that much of a difference, even though they got it. They did get a pretty good performance last night from Darvish. He didn't give up that many runs. So I, I do think they're going to be in it in the long run and maybe things change once they get to the postseason. But I just still see this Dodgers team as a force in the NL and I just don't see the Padres being better than them. I honestly don't even know if I think the Padres are better than the Cardinals in the series right now. So I still think they got some work to do. Their pitching staff has got to make me believe it's not going to be the lineup. The lineup is what it is at this point. Uh, good hitting lineup, in it, but it's not going to carry this team in deep in the playoffs. I think they – I don't even know if they get out the wild card round, honestly. And to me, you gave up a lot to get Juan Soto, and you got to get a lot further than that. So we'll see. Baseball is a weird sport. You just never know. Teams go on runs. They could, you know, get to the playoffs and it clicks for the pitching staff and the hitting, but I, I don't see it from this team. I think they're still probably the fourth best team in the NL. Yeah, uh, Dodgers, Mets, Cardinals. Yeah, fourth, fourth best team in the NL. So, yeah, that's about where I have them. 
Yeah, that's probably fair. I think one thing with Soto, not necessarily with Josh Bell, because I think he's on a contract year, but with Soto, I think you have another year. So even if maybe this year doesn't work out, at that point you're able to then try to go get a pitcher and everybody's under contract. So for the, I won't say long term, but at, at least for the next year, you have another shot before you have to try to figure out if you're going to pay Juan Soto or you're going to let him walk. Um, but yeah, getting Juan Soto and then getting swept, it's probably not the greatest idea. I mean, I mean not the greatest look anyway, but at the same time, teams get swept in baseball. It's not uncommon. It's not something that never happens or anything like that. I don't think it's time to panic, but you're probably right. I think they probably needed the Juan Soto equivalent of a pitcher. Um, those guys don't usually get traded, so it's not something that you're usually going to be able to find. Uh, but we'll be, we'll see. I think they're going to have enough hitting to win, so it's just going to be a matter of if they're able to get it d- done in, in crunch time. Because with baseball, to me, I think it's kind of like getting hot at the right time, oftentimes, whether it's your pitchers or your bats. So I think they're good enough to win it because uh, baseball does have some of that unpredictability as far as when the playoffs come around. Um, but I don't think I would call them the favorite. I think I, I agree with you there. Um, a team that has been the favorite in the AL anyway um, is the Yankees. They've been kind of front-running pretty much all year. Um, they just recently went on a five-game slide. Uh, do you think your Strohs are going to catch catch them and, and be the number one team in the AL by the end of the season? Oh, yeah, for sure. It, it's so funny because, like, as the Astros are getting closer, I have seen a, a – a video online of a track video of a track runner basically getting caught down in the relay race. And that's what the Astros are doing to the Yankees. Like the Yankees had a nice little lead in the four by one. And then the Astros got to their anchor and now there's the anchor kicking in and they're catching the Yankees. But, you know, I think the Yankees, they did what they did at the deadline. You know, they made some solid moves. I liked the, uh, the Ben attendee move. I wasn't high on the, um, the Montas move, but, you know, they, they, they needed pitching. That's what I've been saying all along was probably going to be their Achilles heel too. And it, it always comes back to pitching. What does your pitching staff look like? That is what's honestly going to carry you in those cold days in October. So I, I like Cole, I like uh, Cortez, but besides that, you know, there's still a swing and miss you know, a home run or swing and miss team on offense. And that's what they're predicated on. So if Judge isn't hitting bombs, if, you know, LeMahieu, if Stanton, who's injured, you know, right now, or Hicks or Donaldson, if those guys aren't hitting bombs, that offense doesn't produce. And then it's like, if the offense produces, and then like, even the other day they were hitting, but then the pitching went to hell and they lost a game 12 to nine. So, you know what I mean? Like it's, I don't know. It's, seemingly all unraveling right now, especially after the hot start and people were talking about, you know, best Yankee start in whatever years and can they catch the Seattle Mariners, whatever win record and this and that hoopla. And now you're just a half game in front of the Astros. And I think you're three behind the Dodgers for the best record in baseball. So, you know, they, they honestly, they've, they've come back down to earth. You can see it. Um, I'm not saying they're going to not make the playoffs. Duh. They're going to make the playoffs. They're going to be still a good team, but I think what's still holding this team back, which has always held this team back, is the pitching staff. I don't think it's as good as they thought it was in the beginning of the season. And, uh, you know, I just don't know with this team. I don't – does it just magically get better? Who knows? Getting Stanton back definitely will help once he gets off the IL, but – I just don't know. But my, my favorite thing, obviously, is just Yankees Twitter. I love when they go into these little five-game slides or even a two-game slide. Yankees Twitter is just off the rails. They're, they want Cashman fired. They want Boone gone. I, I just love it. So, yeah, the Yankees not having their shit together always tickles me. 
sounds like a Stroh's fan these days. I'm sure Red Sox fans are in agreement with you as well. Um, that's just funny. It's Yankees Twitter. I'm sure they're, I don't really be on baseball Twitter like that, but I'm sure they're acting like it's the worst thing in the world. If it's any, anything close to, uh, New York Knicks Twitter and, or Lakers Twitter, then I can only imagine because Knicks Twitter is probably the, the more doom and gloom one, which makes sense. It's the same city as far as, oh, we're terrible. We'll never like all this and that. Lakers Twitter just be so depressed when they're bad. They're just like, I don't understand. Like, why, why, why can't we have nice things? So it's always funny watching meltdowns on Twitter with people that, you know, I mean, I'm a sports fan. I love my teams, but I can't imagine going to vent on Twitter about it. That's a, to me, that's kind of weird, but it's also to my entertainment to watch others do that. So as far as Is, I'm, how, who's worse though, Yankees Twitter or Lakers Twitter, right? Like they're, they're two bad Twitter organizations. Like who's the worst? I don't think they're – this is like a landslide to me. Lakers Twitter is the worst because they have obviously what you're talking about when teams are – when their teams are bad and they're complaining. and the, But then the off season every year, every player is going to be a Laker. Like you see so many Photoshop jerseys of Kawhi in a Lakers jersey and Duran in a Lakers jersey and Kyrie and Curry and Giannis. And it's just like, come on. Like these dudes aren't going to the Lakers. And they all, like, it's just so bad. Like, every player that is in a trade rumor and is all of a sudden going to be a Laker, and it's like, bro, you don't even have a first-round pick until 2027. Like, how are you getting, how are you going to get these dudes? Like, what do you have to offer? Like, are you trading AD? Because if not, then what are you saying? Like, Donovan Mitchell, like, they just traded Gobert for five first-round picks. They're trying to trade Donovan Mitchell, and you think you're, first round pick in 2027 and THT is going to get you Donovan Mitchell. Like what are we saying right now? Like they're just so delusional that there's not a worse sports Twitter account than Lakers Twitter. Like that's easily like if we're talking about, you know, like the greatest teams of like of all time, like this is like, this is that for Twitter and, and for like the worst, like they're the 96 bulls of bad Twitter, right? Like <laughs> they're just awful. 2017 Warriors of that, like all those teams, like that's Lakers Twitter. So as much as the Yankees probably bitch and moan and have some hilarious outtakes, there's nothing quite as bad as Lakers Twitter. I will say, if you like meltdowns though, college football is coming up. Just search the team that just got upset, like with Alabama loses or LSU or Ohio State. Just put that in the, in the Twitter and, and search uh, all their tweets because you'll have a field day every Saturday with whatever team was su- was supposed to win and didn't. Check that out. You're going to have a lot of fun with that this season if you like that. So anybody who likes misery of others, get on Twitter when big-time college football teams lose, and you're going to have – get your popcorn ready. You're going to have a lot of fun with that, I promise you. You know what? I like that. I think throughout this year and maybe by the end of the year, we need to, I don't know, put up a poll or rankings of Twitter misery, like fan bases and like rank them one to 10. 
which fan base on Twitter gets the most miserable after loss or losing streaks. I think we could definitely get into that. I think there's definitely a lot of teams out there. I don't know who the football team is. Maybe the Cowboys. But that, I feel like this more the Cowboys is getting clowned on Twitter, right? Like, it's not even the fan base, more or less. It's more or less people clowning Cowboys fans. So we got to find a football team that gets mad depressed when they lose. I don't know which one it is yet, but I'm going to be on the lookout for them this season. You know what? I like it. We're going to do this. We're gonna, we didn't talk about this before, and we're going to talk about it right now. We're going to have a Twitter misery index. And what we're going to do is when teams lose, we're going to post like a few of the worst tweets. And then when we do that, we're going to have fans vote on how high on the misery index that that lands. I think that'll be a fun little exercise for us to do um, this coming season for college football. Um, let's go ahead and do that. Write that down, Nick, because I, I have a bad memory. So let's, let's write that down. Um, Let's go ahead and move on to some stuff, you know, some Twitter news that we were just talking about. Um, and Durant reiterated that he's ha- he's got a trade request. Um, he never backed off of that, but he kind of doubled down on it apparently last night or something. Shams found something out like he always does. Um, and part of this request now is that he doesn't believe in their direction. And basically he wants the Nets to choose between him or the GM slash coach, which would mean between him and Nash slash Bobby Marks. So what's your take on that? And if you're the Nets decision makers, what would you do in that scenario? Yeah, man, it's a tricky situation, you know, with the Nets. It's it's always something, right? Like, it's it can never be easy with them. So now he's kind of thrown down this ultimatum of trade me or Nash and Marks, got to go, whatever that is. But... I don't know, man. To me, if I'm an owner, I'm not just, I'm not just hand, you know, you've already made the mistake of giving these guys too much power. And now he like wants even more power. Like what has shown me that you're going to do good with this power? You wanted Steve Nash. Now you want him gone? Like, so why should I let you, you know, keep running this team? I, I think, you know, you still try to see what's the best trade you can get out there. I don't, I haven't liked any of the trade packages that I've seen for a KD, um, I think you just hold on to him, quite honestly. If anything, maybe get rid of Steve Nash. I'm not – I don't think he's the best coach out – I mean, he's not fucking Red Arbach, so you, do you really need to keep him? Uh, <laughs> you can probably get rid of Steve Nash. I wouldn't get rid of Marks, honestly. I, I think that's too much cleaning house to get rid of the coach and the GM all at once and then, you know, hire a new GM to find a coach and then have to handle – KD Kyrie still, and then we're not even getting into the whole Ben Simmons saga. Is this? I mean, I'm I'm hoping he's going to play eventually this year, right? He has to start the season, or is he not going to be ready for the start of the season? Like he wasn't ready after he got traded. So, you know, we'll see. So, I think, yeah, you probably get rid of Nash. I say no on Marks, and you got to run it back this year, right? With Kyrie, KD, and then see what you get out of Ben Simmons, and see what you got. I mean, at least run it till trade deadline and see how things are going and then figure out from there. I mean, to me, that's the best situation, but you can't just fire the coach and the GM just because KD wants it. And what if that happens? And then all of a sudden he still wants to go after you. like, so yeah, I, I can't do all that. Yeah. I mean, I get that. I mean, I, I really do. But at the same time, it's like the alternative is to get less than market value for KD. Now you got to get rid of Kyrie and you're pretty much stuck trying to rebuild with Ben Simmons which is kind of a nightmare scenario, right? Because that's not a guy you rebuild with per se. So 
I mean, at this point, I feel like he's kind of already got all the leverage because you need him more than he needs you, if we're just being honest about it. So it's easier to get rid of a GM and a coach than it is to get rid of a Kevin Durant. You could still be good with a new GM and a new coach because, I mean, honestly, the roster is such to where you can probably compete next year. I'm not going to say they're going to win it. I personally still think the Bucks are the best team in the league. So a healthy Bucks team to me is still coming out the East. But with that said, injuries happen, right? I would have said the same thing last year, and then Chris Milton gets hurt, and that changes the whole landscape of everything. So I think you have to, like you said, do what you can to kind of, I guess, appease Kevin Durant, mainly because I don't think you can trade him. If I thought you could trade him and get a package that made sense, then I would say do that. I think the Rudy Gobert thing, I've been on record saying that before, I think that kind of ruins that. Like, there's no chance that you're going to get market value at this point in time because people are going to be like, uh, you want me to give, cause you're going to start asking for like six first rounders now because you see you're a Rudy Gilbert guy and people ain't doing that. Like Timberwolves are already filled. Like <laughs> that's the only team in the league that was taking that trade. They are, they just got rid of all that shit for Rudy Gilbert. I don't, I think they're kind of stuck. And so the only way to theoretically get unstuck is to roll the dice with the new coach and GM personally. Cause does half of it really make him change his mind? So, and is Mark's that savvy to where it's like, oh no, we can't lose him. Like, I don't necessarily think that, you know, like, I think he's a good GM. Don't get me wrong. It's not like I think he's bad per se, but I don't think he's irreplaceable. I think the more irreplaceable of the three is easily Kevin Durant. So it is what it is. I know there's this concern about him running your organization, but I mean, that's just kind of the culture and the climate of the NBA at this moment in time. All the best players pretty much run their team. That's just how this works at any given point. It's not going to happen just because of who Steph Curry is. But if he was like, you know what? Me and Curry had a falling out. He's got to go. Guess what? Curry's leaving. Like, that's just how that works because you, it's easier to replace Curry than it is to replace Steph Curry. So the reality of the situation is in the NBA, the players have a lot more leverage and pull than they do in any other sport. That's your environment. And so at this point, you got to win within it. So I get rid of Nash and Marks. I might try to say something stern and pretend like I got the power with Kevin Durant. Like, hey, this is your bed now. You got to lay in it. And he's like, I don't have to lay in this shit if I don't want to. It's the great thing I have in a bed. I can get up from that motherfucker anytime I want to. So I think you're kind of stuck. You have to just ride this out. In my mind, it's not like Nash and Marks are irreplaceable. I make that deal and, you know, see what happens. Because, like we said, Kyrie, Ben Simmons, KD, on paper, makes a lot of sense. You know, TJ Warren coming off the bench to get buckets. Cam Thomas is a bucket. They got some moves that be, to be made, and I guess some other GM will have to make that to try to really push them over the top. But at, that, at the end of the day, I think that's the lesser of two evils, I guess, is where I'm going with that. I think part of this whole dynamic and what we see going on with all the power struggle that we have in the NBA with players and so on and so forth, I think a lot of this is dictated by ring culture. Uh, We hear a lot of it and people saying that your resume as a basketball player is kind of invalidated if you don't have a ring. Um, Moreover, we say how good you are as a player based on your rings, which to me is always silly. So I guess I'm just going to ask you a point blank question and we'll discuss it. Um, Is ring culture toxic? I don't know if I have an answer because I think it's mainly people on the Internet and Twitter, which, you know, it's funny, seems to be the theme of the day is Twitter. But um, 
I think it's mainly the people on Twitter. And honestly, I'm going to put a little blame on Shaq. I feel like Shaq was the kind of one who kind of pushed this forward when he was, you know, we, everybody watches, you know, inside the NBA. If you watch basketball, you, you watch the games on TNT, you watch inside the NBA, you watch, you watch those guys. And for years now, we've seen basically Shaq get on Chuck for not winning a ring, even though if you watch the fucking highlights in No Chuck's career, dude was a bad motherfucker. Like, plenty of motherfuckers didn't win rings because they ran up against Jordan. Like, the shit just fucking happened. Like, it, it happened. It is what it is. But I think when you have somebody who's like Shaq, who's good and who played for the Lakers, which comes back again to Lakers Twitter, which again, at the end of the day, you get these people who go, well, rings and what have you done? You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's what it comes to. So when you have somebody who's as good as Shaq pushing that bullshit and you have people on the internet who fall into that and you have other people who maybe thought of that from the beginning, I think we get into that toxic range that you're talking about. But if you know basketball, you watch basketball, you know how hard it is to carry a team on your back to get anywhere even close to a Western Conference Finals, the finals, and then even at that point winning a finals, man, it isn't hard and everybody don't get one, man. Like, it don't make you a bad player or not as good as you was because you didn't get a ring. Like, that's it's, that's just stupid. Like, we don't do that pretty much in any other sport. We don't, I mean, I guess we pretty much just only do it with quarterbacks in football because you have so much control in having the ball all the time we we do tend to put that on qbs i mean it was pretty much on peyton manning for a while before he got his one and then he got another one with the Broncos. so i mean besides quarterbacks we really don't really do that i feel like with other players we just do that with nba superstars so I don't. I I know how hard it is. I I watched my Houston Rockets team with James Harden basically go up against one of the better teams of all time in the Golden State Warriors when they had, you know, Kevin Durant and, you know, Curry and Thompson and those guys. And, you know, if you want, if you guys on the outside want to call him a failure, sure. But I'm not. Like, I saw the fucking team he had to play up against. Like, that shit ain't no fucking easy task. So I'm not going to call somebody a failure because you ain't beat one of the greatest teams of all times. And I think a lot of people fall under those categories and we just we seem to shit on that so i'm not gonna fall into the ring culture stuff but i definitely see why people get to where they get to on that and i think that we haven't put enough blame on shaq i'm i'm putting the blame on shaq i'm blaming shaq for a lot of this when he dogs on barkley and people get on that so shaq you are the blame for this sir I think if we want to be very specific, we could probably say that that was the real shift. But even before that, you still kind of had to get to the finals before we would accept your accomplishments. Because, you know, I look at the guys like John Stockton, Carl Malone, Reggie Miller. We still lauded those guys, but they all made it to the finals, right? Every one of them, even Barkley, they all had their finals appearance. And that was kind of the barometer to be like, okay, you can be one of the elites because even if you didn't win it, you did make it to the finals. And the common denominator for a lot of them was they lost to an even better grade, right? Like Reggie Miller lost to Kobe Shaq Lakers, right? Everybody else that I named lost to Jordan in the finals, right? So I think there's some players that back then we would kind of give you a pass if you lost to. So we still applauded who you were. But I think there's a lot of players, even in that era, let's say they didn't make it to a finals, and they've kind of been the forgotten hooper, so to speak, because of the fact they didn't make it to a final. So I guess it wasn't ring culture in the 
previous era, but it's still some iteration of invalidating how good you are as a basketball player based on the, the success of the team, which I don't think is fair. I will also say that within ring culture, it's always been a thing because, like you said, with quarterbacks, for instance, um, Dan Marino. Like, that's one of the things that, some reason, when you look at top five quarterbacks, his name doesn't come up because he didn't win a ring. And I'm like, I don't know if that's really fair because he was kind of one of the more prolific quarterbacks to ever grace the face of the earth. But then we go back to the ring thing and we're like, okay, well, he didn't win one. Elway got two kind of late in his career and all of a sudden that boosted him up. I think it's toxic because it's, first of all, it's not a cut and dry criteria. I'm very linear in the way I think. We do this thing where it kind of matters when we want it to, and then it doesn't matter when we don't want it to, because we talk about how rings are the end-all, be-all, but then we're like, Aaron Rodgers is better than Eli Manning, which to me is obvious, but if you're going to go based on the ring theory, only one of them has two. You know what I mean? Like, so we go back and forth with it. It's not the same all the time. Like, I mean, people that, like me, that hate the ring culture thing. It's like, okay, so where are we putting Robert Orr? He got seven of them. What about Steve Kerr? Right? And then people just dismiss that. But I'm like, okay, is it the ring or is it not the ring? Growing up, I was a huge KG fan. I loved KG. And everybody would talk shit about KG because with Minnesota, he never won anything. He gets traded to Boston. He wins a ring. And somehow that validates him. And I'm like, he's the same dude. Like, he's... Boston KG was not any better than Minnesota KG. It's just that, you know, Ray Allen and Paul Pierce is a little bit better than Spreewell and Sam Cassell. I don't mean no disrespect to Spreewell and Sam Cassell. Them guys are good, but it's different, right? <laughs> like, that's not the same tier. So, suddenly, now all of a sudden, we can kind of put the stamp on Kevin, Dur- Kevin Garnett's career as this great player just because he went on to a team that was championship caliber. But then the guy that we were just talking about, Kevin Durant, he does the same thing. And somehow his rings don't count because of the fact that, you know what I mean? Like there's all this stuff where we count some rings and count don't count some other rings. Like for instance, the newest one is that AD doesn't have a real ring because the bubble ring doesn't count. And so this is my part with the ring culture thing is it's kind of made up as it goes. And that's part of the reason why I think it's toxic. I think it, will never be admitted, but I think he has some part in why you see all these super teams and you see all these people kind of uniting to get a ring. It's because as a basketball player at that level, I feel like oftentimes, obviously the money, but the money's already there for a lot of these players that we're talking about anyway. But then it's kind of creating your legacy, right? If you're getting told your legacy is null and void. If you don't get a ring, they can act like they don't hear that, but they hear that. So then they go get the ring, right? They go like, Hey, you know, Wade's like, Hey, I got one already LeBron, but if you and Bosch want to get another one, you can come on this way and we can go get a couple, right? That matters to people. People want to be remembered as one of the all time greats. If you tell them that's their legacy and that's how they do that, you can't then get mad at them for going to get that done. Right? So, I just wish we had a way to where we can just appreciate the greatness and talk the greatness about how you are as an individual player. I'll use Damian Lillard as an example. Damian Lillard is a great basketball player. He doesn't have a ring. He probably won't get a ring unless he goes and chases it, which he seems pretty much like he's not going to do that. 
we shouldn't diminish who he is as a player just because he doesn't have a ring. I'm going to preface what I'm about to say early so I don't get nobody jumping on me. I'm taking Steph Curry over Damian Lillard. Okay? No one's disputing that. However, if you put Damian Lillard on those Golden State Warriors teams, at least three of the four, they're still winning. Right? Like, that's not going away because you switched them. But I would venture to guess, now this is some alternate reality, so who knows, but I would venture to guess if we did do that switch, most people would say Damian Lillard's the better player because he'd have at least three rings, whereas Steph in this scenario has zero. We know that's not true, right? Like, it's close, but I think it's there's a margin there to where Steph is clearly the better player, right? But we do this thing with rings, and we get this opportunity to see it because this is the biggest stage, right? And then so now we act like they're not even in the same stratosphere of player. And while I agree that Steph is better, the margin is exaggerated because of because of rings, because he plays on a team that's good enough to win rings. And that's why, for me, I think ring culture is toxic because it doesn't allow you to appreciate really, really good players. And it's based on their circumstance as far as who drafts them, what the GM does around them, injuries, and all kinds of things that have nothing to do with how good they are at the game of basketball. And really, I think we need to have two conversations. We need to have who's the most achieved player of all time and have that list of who's got the greatest career from an achievement standpoint. And then who's the best player and have that list. Like ultimately to me, those are two different lists. We'll go back to football and quarterbacks. Tom Brady is clearly the most achieved court. Like there's hands down. You cannot argue if you're going to pick a career from a success standpoint within the sport, Tom Brady's it like that's not arguable, but I think you can make a, legitimate argument that he's not the greatest quarterback to ever play because to me those are different things right one of them the rings you have to look at the other one is more about his own individual talent and ability and skill right so ultimately it'll never happen but i think we need to create two different columns so that we know what we're talking about because right now the two get conflated and it ends up having this whole toxic ring culture thing I think we can tell by my whole rant that I've, I was the one that wanted to put this on the podcast because I feel some type of way about this. Um, do you have any rebuttal or do you want to just keep it pushing? I know I've been talking for a long time. No, I, I think you made a lot of good points. And I think I think it also falls back on the people being like, well, if you're so good, then you should end up winning a couple of rings. I think that's what people end up falling back. Like, you know, don't tell me how good you are without any rings, I think is what a lot of people end up going to too and you know i there's always room for leeway you got to look at situations to me you can't just look at you know what's right you got to look deeper into it rosters yeah yeah we've always you know me and you always i feel like me and you always talk about like lebron's rosters and like oh man he went to the finals with this worst team or like oh look at alan iverson's roster he went to the finals with that you know roster and you have to look at those things like was Allen Iverson really supposed to beat the Lakers with, you know, Shaq and Kobe and then versus his roster with, you know, Tyron Hill, Eric Snow and Aaron McKee? Like, you know what I mean? Like, was he really supposed to beat that team with those people? So you got to look at the whole situation. And I don't think enough people do that. And everybody can't be a winner. There's one team that wins every year. So only but so many guys on the team, only but so many superstars on the team. So 
You're just not going to, everybody just can't have a ring. So we just got to get over it. You got to get past that. And like I said, I still blame Shaq. I don't know if you do. Shaq, big man, you know, Shaq, this cactus, it's your fault. You got to stop. You got to lay off Charles Barkley. It's okay. He was a good player, really good player in his day. I think you gotta work on that shack a little bit. Uh, I like it though. Um, but my last statement. I'm trying. I'm trying. My last statement on this though is if you really believe in the ring culture and subscribe to it, go watch tennis, go watch track and field, golf, bowling. Be a be a Pete Weber fan if you want to. If you want rings to be what makes you the best, watch individual sports because then I wholeheartedly agree. Because you have no one else to rely on. It's just you. Otherwise, if you like teen sports, then we got to be able to look at this with some nuance and not just be so lazy with our with our hierarchy. That's all I'll say on that. I think it's actually a, a really good transition from ring culture to the Jer- Derek Jeter doc. Because part of the reason why he has his documentary is because he's seen as the ultimate winner. Whereas I don't know if he's as good as people make him out to be. But again, he's got the rings. So therefore, he gets his documentary. So we had the Jordan documentary going on and everybody loved it with The Last Dance. Now we got the Jeter one. For me, it just seems like it pales in comparison. I don't see how they're on the same plane. So maybe I'm just being a hater. I've always been told not to like the Yankees. And then I learned that on my own to not like the Yankees. So maybe this is the hater in me. Not sure it's going to get any better talking to you because you don't exactly love the Yankees either. But quick question: Is Jeter deserving of his own seven-part documentary about his career? Hell no, man. He boring as hell. Like, who wants to watch this? Like, the most exciting stuff he has is the stuff he don't want to talk about. So it's like, why are we here? Like, so we can re-go over your team being good? Like, that to me is what it is. Like, it's a Yankee circle jerk is what it is. Like, it's all about the Yankees, basically. A little bit of Jeter, I feel like. But if my man plays in Kansas City, he ain't getting his doc. He ain't got those rings. Is he even dating those supermodels So and actresses? So, you know what I mean? Like, it's right place, right time, all that stuff, along with being good. Good player, no doubt. Definitely upheld by being on a team that was stacked. Like, look... My man was basically playing on a stack team all the time. Like he wasn't ever playing. He wasn't carrying no team. He wasn't even playing on no bad team. So, no, I, I, me personally, I don't think he's deserving. I think it's just a Yankee thing, quite honestly. And it's, yeah, man. I think the Jordan Doc got everybody kind of gassed up, thinking that oh, I need me a little seven part series here and there, just because I won me a few titles. Nah, it ain't for everybody, dog. Just pump your brakes, you know. Be a family man, as they like to say. Chill with your wife and your kids and just be easy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's funny, too. It's like, it felt like it came out after he messed up with the Marlins. He's like, ooh, I need people to think I'm good at something again. Let me put this documentary out there after I messed up the Marlins franchise again. So, yeah, man. it's Everybody don't need the doc. Like, that's that's the funny thing about the the last dance is this guy, everybody thinking that they need a little mini series here and there about themselves. And really, you know, like to me, Tom Brady. Yeah. He should have had one. But like I said, he needed to wait. Like he needed to let some years go by. He lit, he ain't even out the league. You're in the league. And you still trying to do one. Like, what are you, what are we doing here, man? So yeah, we, we gotta, we gotta chill on these for a while. That's, that's for sure. 
I think you hit the nail on the head with respect to Derek Jeter's doc could be interesting if he talks about the stuff that he don't want to talk about because I think there's some stuff there, there's some mystery there that people want to know that we can dive into. Even if he wants to make it about his career mostly, but then have maybe an episode or two where we talk about some of the, you know, parties and leave your cell phone at the door and no pictures, no cameras kind of a thing. Like maybe we could add a little spice there if we wanted to do that. Again, Derek Jeter's a Hall of Famer. There's no doubt about that. He's done everything that there is to do to be a Hall of Famer. I'm not trying to take that away from him. I do think how great he is is exaggerated. You can There's tiers within the Hall of Fame. I don't know if he's as high, on high of a tier as people make him out to be. But to the point where we want a documentary for his career and then we're going to kick out all the good stuff that we actually want to talk about I ain't watched an episode. I don't even watch the little trailers when they show up on Twitter. I'm like, that's not going to be interesting. The only one I watched is when A-Rod was like, you know what? You ain't never had to carry a team. I said it then. I stand on it now. I'm like, oh, okay, A-Rod. That's how you feel? That's the only one that I watched. And I was like, A-Rod's the one that's interested in this. Like, give me a Sammy Sosa documentary. That's what I want to see. Like, how do you go from nothing to 60 home runs to a bratwurst in the span of 25 years. Like, how does that work? That's what I that's what I want to see. Give me that documentary. So on that subject, if you had to pick a player to have a documentary for, who would you pick? Two caveats. Can't be Kobe, can't be LeBron. We know they're going to get theirs, and we know people want to see that. So give me somebody else. Ooh, Okay. So, I want to see, one is Barry Bonds, because I just want behind scenes. Like, when did you decide, yo, nah, fuck all this. They thought they about to be better than me. I'm cheating, too. Like, I want to know, when did that go down? How much of an asshole was he behind doors? Because that's what seems to be the consensus. And just, like, how good, like, I just want to, I just want to see more of Barry Bonds behind the scenes. Like, I feel like everything I've seen of him has always been on a field i don't know anything i feel like really about barry bonds and i would i would love to know like his like you know deeper into him and just some of the back things with him um another one is i feel like we kind of seen it in the jordan doc but i want to see a little bit more it's rodman like rodman's one i feel like we kind of know rodman but i want to know everything from him like tell me everything basketball off like i know i feel like he'll give me the goods you know what i mean like he ain't gonna leave no stone unturned as they say um another person for me would be alan iverson i know we kind of you know growing up in that age we kind of know a little bit more about him but still i feel like there's still more to alan iverson's story we could even know in a doc i want to go maybe will chamberlain to me that's the one right there, right? Like, that's got to be the one, like, from a basketball and even off the bat. Like, my man said he's, I don't even know the number. The number is outrageous, but I want to be like, yo, what is the math on that, my guy? Like, was this, like, was it, like, when did you sleep? Like, <laughs> I just want to ask him all the questions. I need him to sit down in front of a camera and spill all the beans, all the beans. So, yeah, those are, I think those are my list of guys. Uh, I'm going to, Wilts first for sure, then maybe Rodman, then uh like AI, and then Barry. But yeah, that, that's my little short, quick, off the top list. But yeah, Wilt for sure. I need to know everything. Like just tell me all. I won't even stop you. I'm not even gonna talk. Just start talking. <laughs> I know we've seen this already because I think there was one, but I don't think it was as long. Lawrence Taylor to me 
would be a very interesting one. He was a little bit before my time. You know, some some cocaine allegations in there and stuff like that. So I think that could be a pretty wild one. I know there was already one. I think it was. I think they did like one episode, like an hour. You can give me seven parts. Let's, let's dissect this a little bit more. Let's get all the way into it. For me, would be one. Whew, let me think of another one. I think Barry Sanders would be really interesting. Kind of the behind the scenes, because he's always come across as very like you know professional. But like, how does he really feel about? you know, losing that much and that often given how great he was as a player, right? I think a Randy Moss one would be very interesting, you know, even going from, you know, from Marshall to being kind of overlooked in the first round to straight cash, homie, you know, the the fake moon in, being on that 18-1 and Patriots team. I think Randy Moss would be a really interesting one as well. Um... Like the basketball ones for me, I already said I that we can't name those, so I think those are to me the, the main ones that I would want to see. Um, what about a Jamarcus Russell one? I don't know how you make that seven episodes. <laughs> you play seven years, like how do you do that? <laughs> you can give me a 30 for 30 on Jamarcus Russell, like all I need is 30 minutes for that damn thing. <laughs> I think it would be interesting, but. I don't need seven part series, but like we talking like the, the big the whole thing. Then I don't I don't need that. To would be another interesting one. Um, Chad Johnson. Yeah, to I want to be like yo. I'd be like, why did you decide to do sit ups in the driveway? Like that's my number one question. Yeah, there's a lot of I guess there's a lot of football players that be wilded out that I want to see some documentaries on. That's for sure. Uh, I'm trying to. I think, honestly, a low-key one that would be interesting is James Harden, you know, with all the partying and how he feels about the fact that he's kind of like, he's done a lot of things in this league that are really have never been done before, but he gets no respect or credit for that. So, like, hearing kind of his take on that and how he feels about that I think would be really interesting. And also maybe some people around him and how they feel about him because he has a very quirky game. Like, I think that would be kind of an interesting one as well. Now, he doesn't kind of reach to the level of greatness probably necessary for a documentary but i think it would be really entertaining if we were able to get like a true no shit this is how i feel about how i was kind of characterized in this era and how my greatness kind of got overlooked and in, in, in some aspects so or maybe a Kawhi leonard one just to hear him talk i think that'd be fun <laughs> just to see like oh my man's not a mute <laughs> something like that so well He's not gonna talk. He's just gonna he's just gonna walk around the house and just do things. He's gonna, he's gonna do small. He's gonna like clean. He ain't gonna do nothing. This big ass hand holding like a pledge bottle or some shit because <laughs> he's cleaning off stuff. He's gonna stand up there and just be like, you know, I let my game speak for itself. So just talk to my players and coaches. They'll let you know. And then that'll be the last time you see him for the whole documentary. Everybody else will just be telling you what they saw. Um, but yeah, so we'll put this on the on the social media see who you guys want to hear from and who you think deserves that seven series doc because clearly neither you or i think that Derek jeter should have got one all right one other question i want to ask this is probably a quick one i don't think it'll last very long um but the little league world series is on and you know they're out here doing their thing there's always that kid that's six foot one while the other kids are all four eleven um out here hitting bombs but my question to you is very simple. Uh, if there was 
a Little League World Series equivalent in any other sport, would you be interested in watching it? And if so, what sport would it be? <sighs> Probably not, man. I, I struggle to even watch the Little League World Series at this point when it's on. Like, it's just not entertaining to me. Uh, at, f- <laughs> at first, I probably would have said, like, popcorn or football until I thought about little kids getting their head cracked. And then I was like, oh, that's probably not the best of ideas to watch and laugh at and be entertained by. So I, I took that one out. Um, I honestly probably would have, like, said golf just because I'm always entertained by, like, kids being good at golf because I'm struggling at this age to, like, grasp the game. And you see, like, little kids good at it. I'm like how are you already good at this? Like, you're like four years old. How, like, how are you already swinging a club better than me? So maybe that, I think that would kind of be funny just because like kids aren't like, you see a golf course and they're big and then you would see like little kids and I think that might be entertainment for that factor because you would just see these little kids playing golf. It would look like just disproportioned. But I don't know, man. I, I can't probably say I would want to see anything like that. Just, I don't lower level sports don't look that they're not good they're not fun to watch that's why we don't you know watch really that's why like high school basketball isn't on TV much like unless it's high level do you really want to see like your average high school team in your town like play on TV no you don't go to those games you don't want to watch that crap like so I don't know man like like I said I little league world series I don't even know how long that's gonna stick around maybe just because it's ingrained in American tradition quotation marks but um. I guess golf, if I had to really pick one, just because I'm enamored with how good kids are at a young age, and that would just really be interesting for me to see. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good one. <laughs> one thing on the football one, yeah, it definitely has to be flag football for me to even sign up for that, because I don't need to see anybody getting their eggs scrambled at eight years old. I'm not interested in that for sure. So golf to me, if it was like maybe this is like a weekend type of thing would be kind of funny to just watch these kids do something that I've never been able to do in my entire life um, at nine. So um, that would be kind of entertaining and depressing all at once. Um, but I think you're right. I don't really think there's a sport that I'd want to watch. I mean, even with basketball, as much as I love basketball, like, like you said, I barely watched when they put the high school games on TV. I can't imagine really watching a bunch of nine, 10, 11 year olds play basketball. Like I'm, I'm satisfied by watching the clips of the random 11 year old. That's really nice. And just watching like a two minute highlight tape of him. That's enough for me. I don't need to see a whole game like back to back to back. So I think I agree. I just saw it and I was just like, you know what? Would there be another one that's interesting? Golf is not one that I had thought of. So I, I, I think that's a pretty cool one. But again, I just need maybe, maybe one day tournament. I could turn it on. Watch these kids hit a driver. We're like, man, he hit that 250. I don't think I could hit a 250. And then just kind of just be at all at that. So, all right, let's go ahead. I, and I don't think it'd be this. I have one. Sorry. I have one now. I don't think it'd be like skill wise fun to watch, but like I think funny to watch because I had never. My kid isn't at the age where he plays soccer yet, but I've seen like little kids play soccer and it seems to just be like. It looks like bees just, like, going around in a swarm. Like, they're just all around the ball, but, like, everybody can pass it. It's just, like, a group of kids around the ball. Like, that to me seems funny to watch. I don't know if it probably doesn't work on TV, but what I've seen of it is definitely entertaining. So, as a dad who does have a kid that's old enough for soccer, I ain't watching that shit on TV. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> there's no chance I'm tuning into that. Unless there's some Ronaldinho dude that he's out here just like cutting people up, nutmegging them and all that stuff. 
again, I can watch that individual kid's highlights, but I, nah. Is it like what I said? Is it like a swarm of bees just like going around? Is that basically what it is? Like kids just like. (laughs) If you've ever watched like a basketball game with kids young, there's always that one, right? That clearly has been doing it since they out of birth that's just dominating and then everybody else is just following ask it's the funniest thing about it to me is that every player who doesn't have the ball is asking for the player with the ball to pass it but then every time that kid has the ball they never pass it there's like if you watch a whole game there's probably two passes the whole game right like that's it and one of them was probably an accident. They tried to score. It just so happened they kicked it off the side of their foot. It went straight to their teammate. And then there's always, like I said, the good, the guy or girl that's really good probably makes one pass, realizes that they're better off just taking it by themselves and they don't pass for the rest of the game. Like, that's it. But it's always funny hearing everybody say pass it, knowing damn well if they had the ball, they ain't passing nothing. So, uh, that even that gets old after a while. <laughs> but It sounds like an open gym run, basically. Just, just pass, just pass it to me. It sounds like an open gym run. Yeah, it's, it's. You won't complain about open gym if you go watch that because there is, like I said, I'm not exaggerating when I say two passes, like literally two passes. So, yeah, I'm not watching that on TV. All right, let's go ahead and bring it home. Um, I had a random thought, and we're just gonna let that ride as far as bring it home. So, if you could give any player one particular attribute what player would it be and what attribute would it be i'm giving my man shaq the attribute of making free throws like could you imagine if my guy shot like 75 percent free throws like how dominant he would be like it's like to me like you it's you go crazy and people go yeah let me get shaq a three-point shot like Shaq's never gonna have a three point shot. Like, come on, let's let's be real. We're not gonna NBA 2K this shit and have Shaq out there hitting threes like he's Steph Curry. Like, let's have him do something realistic. Like, at the free throw line, he went to the free throw line a lot. You make him better at that, he becomes a lot more dominant. So, I like Shaq just being better at free throws, man. If he, like I said, if he could even shoot 75, imagine 80. Lord. Jesus. Like, then I would be all aboard him talking shit about Chuck. about like, yeah, nigga, he was well, he would have whooped your ass. Like, I mean, he already would have. But, like, him making 75, 80% free throws is a monster. Like, I always think of, like, that picture of uh, Shaq versus the Nets. And there's, like, five Nets in the paint. And Shaq's still dunking it. And I'm like, god damn. Like, everybody on the court was in the paint. Like, there wasn't a man at the free throw. Like, there wasn't anybody else. But everybody was in the paint. So, Definitely giving Shaq the ability to make free throws would, in my mind, just be blown. Like, that's that's the one for me. It's a couple of them. Like, I thought about, like, Jokic being athletic. Like, what would that look like with as skilled as he is? Like, him being a good athlete would be kind of crazy. Giannis with the, the, the jumper. Like, let's say he's a 35% three-point shooter instead of a 28% three-point shooter. Like, what does that look like? But... I'm going to cheat a little bit, and we talked about this before, but I'm just going to say, give me Grant Hill and give me durability. Like, I just wanted to see that guy's career play out, so that's that's what I would do is just a durable Grant Hill. Let's see what that looks like and how that career plays out for me. So we'll definitely put this on social media as well, see what attribute you would give your whatever player you want to we both pick basketball players it does not have to be basketball if you want to make can't even think of one off the top of my head 
let's say you want to give Chad Pennington a cannon of an arm. That'd be a real niche one. I don't know how that one came to my mind. But <laughs> if you want to, you know, whatever you want to do. Um, what about Peyton Manning with, like, some wheels? Like, if Peyton Manning could scoot a little bit, like, woo. <laughs> I mean, you were talking about not giving Shaq threes. Then you can't give Pat- Peyton Manning, like, Michael Vick speed. Because that, that shit would be amazing. Like. <laughs> I no, I, I didn't say I didn't make a Michael Vick. I just mean like Patrick Mahomes, like something a little bit better than what he was. Yeah, whatever you guys could think of, you let me know what you would do. I think this will be a pretty interesting topic. But until then, we will holler at you guys next week. Just know that football is getting closer and closer, so we will start covering that. We're excited. I know you guys are excited. In the meantime, find something to do your idle time, and we will holler at you guys next week. Thanks for listening to the Media Timeout Podcast. Mahomes looking to flip, takes it in for the touchdown. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at MTO Sports, on Instagram at Media Timeout Sports, and visit our website, MediaTimeoutSports.com, for more content.